Um, let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, and we are going to talk as we are in the week of the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Some people call it the Feast of Booths. Um, but what we're going to talk about is Yahshua's birth timeline so that we will understand that during these fall feasts, and I personally believe during the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, that Yahshua was born. So um, let's just go into the Word and see what we can draw from it. In, beginning in Luke 1, verse 1, it says, Since many took in hand to draw up an account concerning the matters having been born out among us, as those from the beginning delivered to us, becoming eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word, Torah, it seemed good also to me, this is Luke, having traced out all the things accurately from the first to write in order to you, most excellent Theopolis. So this was Luke writing to this person named Theopolis, um, who is never mentioned again in Scripture, I don't know, do any of you have any idea who Theopolis was? No. No? Yeah, me, I have no clue either. So anyways, this is a letter to him to reveal to him uh, accurately, and Luke said he researched it out, and this was Luke's accurate assessment of the things that took place. And then uh, verse 4, it says that you may know the certainty concerning the words which you were taught. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the daily course of Abijah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before Elohim, walking blameless in all the commandments and ordinances of Yahweh. So the first thing that reveals to us is Zach, for uh, uh, lack of better words. Zach was a priest who functioned after the daily course of Abijah, which you can read that in 1 Chronicles 24, verse 10. And basically, I forget how many thousands of priests there were, but in order to have everybody uh, minister according to their priestly order, 
They basically ministered twice a year, two weeks or two Sabbaths at a time. So each of them functioned in the fall feasts, and each of them functioned in the spring feasts. The other thing to notice <clears throat> is that Elizabeth and Zechariah were Torah observant. It said that they walked blameless in all the commandments and ordinances of Yah. So that also tells us that just because you or myself might not be experiencing the fullness of Yah's promises does not mean that something is wrong or if someone else is experiencing many of his blessings does not necessarily mean that they are obedient. All right, verse 7 says, And no child was born to them because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in their days. Now, I didn't research this out yet, but do and does anybody know roughly how old um, Zechariah and Elizabeth were at this time in their life? It just says that they were advanced in age, so that could mean they're as old as Yenny. I don't know. I thought I'd catch a little ha-ha there, but anyways, that's something to research. Um, I'm sure Google would have an answer. But now in verse 8, it says, It happened in his serving as priest in the order of his course. Underline that, his course before Elohim. So Zechariah had a specific assignment of when... Ninety-two years old. Ninety-two. Well, that's... Uh, that's that's up there for having a child. Wait, that's the Muslim tradition. Hold on. All right. <laughs> but anyways, um, so it says here in verse 8 that Zechariah had his course or his responsibility um his responsibility according to his course or according to um, his responsibility as a priest. I just got a, a text. I don't know if this is accurate or not. Um, I don't want to shut down uh, I guess not. Who knows? Um, anyways. Um, so let's keep going. Verse 9. According to the custom of the priests, entering into the holy place of Yahweh, it was Zechariah's lot to burn incense. And all the multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. 
So this was during um, one of the feasts. I believe it was Shavuot. Okay, so this is taking place during that feast. And, and something that when you come to understand uh, the Hebraic view of the scriptures, you will see that so much is built around the Sabbath and built around the feast days. And when we understand the Hebraic culture, the Hebraic context of the scriptures, and understand what was going on when the scripture was recorded, we then will see just how much Yah's feast days are important and necessary even in the day in which we live. And I know most of us, be grown up in the West, when we went to our churches and stuff, we were never taught these things. Matter of fact, when these scriptures were read in our churches, most of them were read with the understanding that it took place in the winter months, meaning the birth and timeline of Yeshua's birth. And we're going to see that it's, it, it just is impossible to have taken place in the winter months. And as a biblical believer, it is important that we learn things accurately so th that we don't have any deception because the scripture says that the enemy will try to deceive even the elect and we need to make sure that we believe things as accurately as possible. Now, none of us are going to have it totally right. But nonetheless, we can eliminate some things. And one of the things in this teaching is for those that don't understand things about his feast days, one thing that you will see that it is impossible for the birth of Yeshua, Yahshua, to have taken place in the winter months. So it says in verse 11, And the cherub of Yahweh appeared to him standing on the right of the altar of incense. And seeing this, Zechariah was troubled and fear fell on him. But the cherub of Yahweh said to him, Do not fear, Zechariah, because your prayer was heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son to you, and you shall name his name Yochanan. Now, anybody know what that means in Hebrew? It means Yah is gracious. Did you ever find out, Yenny, uh, the age yet? Only, only Muslims have recorded it as 92 years old. Okay, well, that's some, something to give some thinking anyways. But anyways, because um, it said that they were, they were up there in their age, so you know it wasn't 40 or 50, because people back then lived 120, 170, 150 years, 
And we as believers should be following that same principle if we are following Torah, living according to Torah. And this also includes trying to eat the foods that the scripture says that we should eat. But nonetheless, um, so it says in verse 14, meaning for Yohanan, um, he will be joy and exaltation to you, and many will rejoice over his birth. For he shall be great in the eyes of Yah. He shall not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with Yah's spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to Yahweh, their Elohim. Now that really struck me as I was studying this, that he will turn many of the sons of Israel to Yah, their Elohim. What that also implied to me is that just because you're native-born Israel doesn't mean that you are serving the Elohim of Israel, just like if you go to a Christian church, you get baptized, you pray a, a prayer of faith, a confession of faith, you go down the Roman road, so to speak, doesn't necessarily mean you are serving the Elohim of Israel. The way you can discern if you are living for and following the Elohim of Israel is that you are living according to the Elohim of Israel's laws and commandments, Sabbaths, feast days, so on and so forth, to the best of your ability. And again, none of us know it all. None of us have this down perfect, but it's our heart. It's what's in our heart. Are we willing to follow him? Are we desiring his feast days? Are we desiring to keep his Sabbaths to the best of our ability? All right, let's look in verse 17. Here's another key thing. And it will go out before him, meaning Jan, Johannan, uh, Juan in Spanish. And he will go out before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Why is this important? Again, it's fulfilling what is written in the prophets. You can read in Malachi 4 and verse 5 where um, it said that, well, it says right here what it says that um, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient ones to the knowledge of the just, and to make ready a people having been prepared for Yah. So, just because you're native born doesn't make you a son or daughter of Israel. What makes you a son or daughter of Israel or a grafted in one is whether or not you are, are obeying Yah's laws and commandments. One of Yah's laws and commandments is to receive the Messiah, Yahshua. So, let's continue. And Zechariah, verse 18, said to the cherub, By what shall I know this? Now, I'm going to skip over this, but you should study this out. 
Um, he did say that I am Gabriel who stands before Yahweh and I was sent to speak to you and announce to you the good news of these things. Well, we know that he did not receive it. At first, he was fearful. And in my opinion, one of the reasons the angel silenced him was so that he would not dig up through his unbelief what Yah was wanting to do through him by saying things, it's just impossible for this to happen because my w wife is up there in age, I'm up there in age. Matter of fact, we don't even have romantic relations anymore, so on and so forth, or whatever else he might have said um, to negate uh, Yah's commandment that came through the angel. And that reveals to us how important it is that we keep our confession even when we go through difficult times on what thus saith Yahweh. Because that's when the enemy wants you to blurt out a paragraph of unbelief so he can come in there and undo the work that you and Yah and Yah's Spirit have been doing through your prayers, intercessions, and confessions of faith. All right, verse 23, And it happened when the days of his service were fulfilled, so his course was over, um, he left the temple, and after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So, write in your Bibles that this was around the month of November, according to our calendar. And she hid herself five months, saying, So has Yah done to me in the days in which he looked on me to take away my approach, my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the cherub Gabriel, now this was during Hanukkah or the Festival of Lights. Remember, the see, everything goes back to the Torah. Remember the Feast of Lights, the Festival of Lights. Yahshua was conceived during the Festival of Lights during Hanukkah, even though Hanukkah isn't, quote-unquote, a feast day. In the sixth month, the cherub Gabriel was sent from the presence of Elohim to Galilee to a city whose name is Nazareth, to a virgin who had been betrothed to a man whose name was Yosef. And the house of the house of David. So it's real important if you've never done the study, go back to Matthew chapter 1 and read the first chapter and it will talk to you about, uh, you know, he was of this house and this house and this house and how it's all connected in the lineage. And then finally, Yahshua. Okay, um, to a virgin uh, who, who, to, who was espoused or engaged to a man whose name was Yosef of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Miriam or Mary. And entering the cherub, and entering, the cherub said to Mary, Miriam, Peace, shalom to you 
full of grace, our Adonai is with you. You are blessed among women. And seeing this, she was disturbed at his word and considered considered what great kind of greeting this might be. And the cherub said to her, Do not fear, Miriam, for you have found favor from Yah. For behold, you will receive conception and bear a son, and you will call his name Yahshua. This one will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and Yahweh Elohim will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob to the ages, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Underline that. But Miriam said to the cherub, How will this be, since I do not know a man? And then the angel begins to explain that uh, the spirit of Yahweh will come upon her and she will conceive. Verse 36. Okay, this was taking place during the month of December. In verse 36, And behold, your kinswoman, meaning your cousin, Elizabeth, she also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month to her who was called barren. For nothing shall be impossible with Yah. Miriam said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of Yah. Let it be to me according to your word. And so she responded totally different than Zechariah. And then it says that the angel departed from her presence. And rising up in these days, Miriam went into the hill country. This is why, this is why we need to live in the country. With haste to a city of Judah. And she entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened. As Elizabeth heard Miriam's greeting, the babe in her womb leaped. This should end all conversation whether or not a child in your womb is a fetus or a human being or if that child is alive or not. Okay, the babe in her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with Yah's spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, now, and how did she know to say this? Because Miriam did not tell her yet that she was with child. And Miriam did not say that the Son of the Most High was within her. Yeah. She cried out with a loud voice and said, You are being blessed among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this to me that the mother of my Adonai comes to me? For behold, as the sound of your greeting came to my ears, 
It must have been, she might have said the, the greeting as she was approaching, you know, the dwelling in which Elizabeth was dwelling in. And why is this uh, to me that the mother of my Adonai comes to me? For behold, as the sound of your greeting comes to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped with exaltation. And blessed is she believing because there will be a fulfillment to the things spoken to her from Yah. And Miriam said, my soul magnifies Yah, and my spirit exalted in Elohim, or Yahweh, Yah, my Savior, because he has looked at the meekness of his handmaiden, for behold, now, from now on, he will give me blessings to all generations, because he has done great things for me, he who is mighty and holy is his name, and mercy is to generations of generations of those fearing him. All right, um, drop down to verse 56. And Miriam remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Okay, so according to our calendar, she got there about um, end of December, January, sometime in that realm. She stayed there here, it said, about three months. So now that's putting her close to March, April, which is Passover. Passover is when um, John or Johannan was born. Okay, now if she stayed there, okay, she just conceived, meaning Miriam conceived in December. So by the time she left, she was three months pregnant. All right, so this is Passover time. If you add um, with a month for leeway, you add, okay, She's there. This is her third month. So the fourth month would be April, May. The fifth month would be May, June. The sixth month would be June, July. The seventh month would be July, August. The eighth month would be August, September. The ninth month for birth of Yahshua would be September, October, which is the feast, the fall feast, but especially now we're going to focus in on, as we go to Luke chapter 2, we're going to focus in on that how I see and perceive Scripture is that he was born on the very first day of Sukkot, on the eighth day, you're going to see it in Scripture, he was circumcised. Okay, the first day of Sukkot's the Sabbath, Yahshua born. The eighth day, he was circumcised. Another high Sabbath. Now, a lot of people believe he was born 
and they try to make a case for he was born in the spring feast, but there is no first day and eighth day high Sabbath in the spring feast. For Yahshua and everything Yah did concerning the birth of Yahshua was done in a feast timeline. His death, burial, resurrection was all in the spring feast. His birth was in the fall feast of Sukkot. So will be his return. And so will be the millennial reign. But let's go and see if the scripture validates this. So in, in Luke chapter 2, let me get there. Now it happened, verse 1, in those days, in those days that a decree went out from Augustus Caesar that the names of all the people of his dominion should be written down. This registration was like every, I'm adding this to it, was like every other government. They did it at the time to gain as much wealth out of the people from taxes as they possibly could. Now think about it. If it was done during the spring feast, that doesn't produce as much of a harvest as the fall feast, because the fall feast harvests everything. The spring feast is only a wheat harvest. The fall feast is a total harvest of everything. So the people that were being taxed had the most amount of money that they possibly would have. And if this was done in December, they're not going to have that because there is no harvest in December because December is a wicked, cold, I mean... Kathy living up in, in uh, Michigan knows what the month of December is like. It is not fun. It is windy, cold, uh, snowy. You can get uh, rain turning to freezing rain. The wind is nasty. I grew up in Wisconsin. It is not a pleasant time. I remember some of those years that we celebrated Christmas. It was 20 and 30 below. The wind was nasty. Nonetheless, verse 2, this regist registration first occurred under the governing of Syria by Serenus. And all went to be registered, each to his own city. Yosef also went from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because of his being of the house and family of David to be registered with Miriam, the one having betrothed to him as wife as she was pregnant. Now also remember, there was a prophetic word from the prophets that the Messiah would be born in the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is roughly five miles away from Jerusalem, and 
People in Jerusalem now even say that the city of Jerusalem gets filled. People overflow to Bethlehem, kind of like where we live. Uh, people that come, say, to an event in Fort Myers, they might stay in Naples because, you know, people, it will just overflow there or stay in Cape Coral or stay in Lehigh or whatever. Also, this also makes a case for Sukkot and against the spring feast because it said that Yahshua had to be born in the city of Bethlehem and the spring feasts don't refer to Bethlehem at all. Also, during the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, booths, there are small sukkahs all over Jerusalem and all over Bethlehem and all over Israel because people are honoring the, this feast going back to, to the law of Moses and they dwell in these, these sukkahs which are built and can take the overload and chances are this is where the manger was that Yahshua was born in. Again, if it was in December, that manger would be freezing cold. Mm -hmm. Ladies, think about it. If it was in December, one, Miriam had to give birth and her lower parts of her body had to be open to skin, her skin and her newborn baby were open to the elements, to the wind, to the freezing cold. And there is no way that Yah would allow that to have taken place because one, Miriam probably would have got sick. The baby born would have probably got sick because it would have been chilled. The other thing, when they laid the baby in the manger, where would that manger be? Probably in a sukkah. It also, that manger would have been ice cold. Just like you have a bucket outside in the winter, you you know, if it's even empty, it's going to be frozen. It's going to have ice on it, correct? Yeah. You're not going to put a babe, especially the son of the Most High, um, even if you wrap it in a blanket, you're not going to put it in that type of element. But if it was the fall, which is the perfect time of the year, maybe 70, 80 degrees during the day, cooler at night, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have those elements. But now in the spring, you wouldn't have sukkahs. There wouldn't be none of that. The other thing to realize in this teaching is that in the month of December, you would not be traveling from um, where they were living to... Um, Bethlehem, because it was approximately a 40-mile walk, number one. Even if you had a donkey or a camel, can you imagine a woman almost ready to give birth bouncing up and down on a donkey or a camel? No way. Especially if it was 20 degrees out, 10 degrees out, wind blowing snowy, rainy, all the cold elements 
that take place in December in Israel. In December in Israel is the rainy, wet season. So they, like our rainy, wet season, almost every day it rains. Now, if we had colder climate, some of that rain would turn to snow. There is no way, Linda wants the snow, there is no way that people would travel on gravel roads walking in that type of temperature in the month of December in, and just think, they don't have, like we have parkas, we have long johns, we have clothing that they did not have back then. We have boots that we can put on. I remember when I lived in Wisconsin, I had Iceman boots. They were good up to for eight hours in 60 below temperature. My feet never got cold because I worked out into, in the cold. So these are all reasons why there is no way it's December and there's a very good chance it is not uh, the spring feast, but it is during the fall feast. Okay, verse 7, it says, And she bore her son, the firstborn, that tells us Mary had other children, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, swaddling clothes, they say, came from the priest's garments that they cut up that the priests wore when they made uh, sacrifices to Yah. And so those garments were blood-stained, and they are saying, and the, the tradition is that Yahshua was already wrapped up in the blood of the Lamb, dedicated to become the blood of the Lamb for us in... I mean, this is just awesome. I'm hoping I'm conveying... And I do your own research, but and it says that he was laid in the manger in the swaddling clothes of priest's garments that were stained with already the blood of the lamb, prophesying and indicating who Yahshua was. Look in verse eight, and it says in the and shepherds were in the same region living in the fields and keeping guard over the flock by night. Now again, if this was December, you go to Israel now, there are no sheep and there are no shepherds in Israel guarding the sheep in the month of December. It's too cold, too windy, too rainy, too snowy. The shepherd and the sheep are in some type of dwelling, whether it's a barn or some type of, of, of covering that they, that they made. But now, if you think about um, a fall feast, they would, they would be out there. Why? It'd be 70, 80 degrees during the day, and it'd be comfortable at night, and it would not be the, the rainy, wet season. And it says in the shepherds, we're in the same region, living in the fields and keeping guard over the flock by night. Now this version says living in the fields. So there is no way in December 
that they would be living in the field. They would have no way to stay warm. It's not like, you know, you go to the mountains or to, you know, you go to New Mexico desert. It would be hard to light a fire because the only thing that's there to light a fire is maybe a few branches and tumbleweeds. And those would burn up so fast, you wouldn't be able to maintain enough heat to stay healthy and warm. And there would be no fresh grass. There would be no grass for the sheep. Or nothing. And Linda's saying there would, be no, there would be no sheep, I mean no grass for the sheep to, to, to graze on in the month of December. That's another good thought. All right. And behold, the cherub of Elohim came on them, and the glory of Yah shone around them, and they feared with a great fear. And the cherub said to them, Do not fear, for behold, I proclaim good news to you, a great joy which shall be to all the world. For today is born to you in the city of David, which they knew to be Bethlehem, the Savior, who is Yahweh, the Messiah. Remember, Yahshua is Yahweh manifested in the flesh. And this is a sign to you. You shall find an infant having been wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger, and suddenly there was with the cherub a multitude of heavenly hosts praising Yah and saying, Glory to Yah in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill among men. And it happened as the cherubs departed from them into the heaven, even the men, the shepherds, said to one another, Indeed, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing occurring, which Yah made known to us. And hurrying, they came and sought out both Miriam and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And seeing they publicly told about the cherub, spoken to them about this child. And all these hearing marveled about the things spoken to them by the shepherds. Now, when you read in Matthew's account about the Magi, when the Magi came and brought their, their gold, their frankincense and myrrh, Yahshua was already um, a, little, a little child. He wasn't an infant. Some people say that what Miriam, Yosef, and Yahshua lived on when they went to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill um, the Messiah and he wiped out all those babies, that they lived off of that gold. They lived off of the gifts that the Magi brought to them. Now, Scripture can't confirm it, but it's interesting nonetheless. Now, in verse 21, it says, And when eight days, and remember, the last day, the last day of Sukkot, 
The eighth day is a a Shabbat, is a Sabbath. And when eight days had passed to circumcise the child, his name was called Yahshua. Now here's an interesting thing to know. In Hebraic times, babies were not given a name at birth. They were given a name, especially for a son, on the eighth day, on the day of circumcision, on the day that he was welcomed into the the Abrahamic covenant, the Hebraic covenant. So on the eighth day, so whether you are a female or a male, a male, on the eighth day is when you are named, not the first day, but on the eighth day. And again, that would just go with the understanding that Yah would have this done during the Feast of Tabernacles. Because there is no eighth day that is a Shabbat during the spring feast. Okay, verse 22. When and when the days of her cleansing, and this is Miriam's cleansing, according to the law of Moses, were fulfilled, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to Yahweh. Why'd they do this? Because Miriam and Joseph were Torah keepers. They kept the law to the best of their ability. Okay, verse 23. As it had been written in the Torah of Yahweh, every male opening a womb shall be called a holy one to Yah and to offer a sacrifice according to that said in the Torah of Yah, a pair of turtle doves or two nestling of doves. Now, if you were wealthy, you offered a lamb. Now, something that maybe Miriam and Yosef did not understand was that they had a lamb in their arms, the mighty lamb of Yah, the one that would pay the price so that no more animal sacrifices were needed to take away our sin but the sacrifice of Yahshua would take away our sin forever. Now, the only way that that sin is not taken away is if you turn away and walk away from Yah. And the book of Hebrews says that there is no more sacrifice left for you. And basically, the only thing you can do is come back to the sacrifice of Yahshua in repentance and then be grafted back in or forgiven. And then it says, uh, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a righteous and devout man, eagerly expecting the consolation 
or the salvation or the Messiah of Israel. And Yahweh's Spirit was upon him. And it happened to him, having been divinely instructed by Yah's Spirit, he was not to see death before he would see the Messiah of Yah. Now here's something for you to understand, um, and we'll get to this in a later teaching. Old Testament saints were saved the same way you and I are born again. You and I are born again looking to the Messiah as a done deal, looking past, looking in the past to what he did on the cross, and we receive him as Messiah, and by receiving him as Messiah, we also receive his instructions to live according to his instruction manual, the Torah, the Scriptures. The Old Testament saints were saved looking forward to the Messiah. They knew the Messiah would come. And so the book of Hebrews said that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, um, all those were saved by look by faith looking to the Messiah. So that's a whole teaching in itself, but that's something interesting and something to research and something to ponder that the Messiah was already saving people in the renewed co- in the in the first covenant, just like He's saving people in the renewed covenant. Hallelujah. All right, look in, um, let's see where we're at here. Where did I leave off? Okay, verse 28. Even Simeon received him in his arms, verse 28, and he blessed Yah and said, Now dismiss your servant in Shalom, Adonai, according to your word, because my eyes saw your salvation, Yah's salvation which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light. Remember, Yahshua was conceived on Hanukkah or the festival of lights. A light for revelation to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. And Yosef was marveling, also his marvel, his, his mother at the things which being said concerning Yahshua. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Miriam, Behold, this one is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a, for a sign spoken against. Yea, a sword will also pierce your own soul so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phineal, I think that's how you say it, a tribe of Asher, again, another Hebraic member of the family. She was advanced in many days, having lived seven years with a husband from her virginity, and she was a widow of 84 years, and she did not depart from the sanctuary, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. Now, if you research this, this doesn't mean she lived in the temple 
24-7-365-7. It means she was there during these feasts and she did not leave the, the temple during Sukkot, during um, atonement, during uh, um, trumpets, and during the days of awe. During those feast days, she was in the trumpet. I mean, she was in the temple worshiping, praising, and interceding for Israel. And verse 39, And as they completed all things, according to the Torah of Yahweh, now we were never taught that, that everything that Miriam and Joseph did and everything concerning the birth of Yahshua had to line up with the Torah and the prophets. But it says here, as they completed all things, according to the Torah of Yahweh, they returned to Galilee, to Nazareth, their city. And the child grew and became strong in, the sp in spirit, being filled with wisdom. And the grace of Yah was upon him. And then it goes into, and his parents went into Jerusalem year by year at the Feast of Passover. Now that's where people think and why people think he was born during Passover. But then if you keep reading, it goes on to explain that when they went to Passover one year, Yahshua was there for, he was 12 years of old, and he stayed back, so on and so forth, and you can read it. But anyways, this goes to reveal to us all the reasons, in my opinion, um, let's go to, to one, one verse that we didn't look at. I don't think I read it. You can read it in Luke 1, 31. Matthew 1, 21 has the same verse. Luke 1, 31, it says... For behold, you will receive conception and bear a son, and you shall call his name Yahshua. Notice what it does not say. It does not say you will call his name Jesus. Now, I know the English translations say that, but in the Hebrew, it does not say that. Now, some may pronounce it Yahushua, uh, Yahuwah. Um, they might pronounce it different ways. But nonetheless, it simply is not what the Roman church translated it through their pagan Greek translators. It is not Jesus. It is Yahshua. Because what Yahshua means is Yah is salvation. Jesus cannot mean that because it does not mean that. It has no meaning in the Hebrew. It did not exist. So now think of this. Since we read that everything that Miriam and Yosef did was according to Torah, then the name that they gave their son would be the name 
that was in line with Torah. And the name that was in line with Torah, the Creator's name, the Most High's name is Yah, Y-A-H. The first three letters in Yahshua is Y-A-H. The last part, Shua, means salvation. So it means Y-A-H, Yah, is salvation. And that is why it cannot be Jesus. Now, I don't say that. I know there are a lot of Christian people that love the Messiah, that, that believe in Him, that worship Him, and do the best they can with their knowledge. But in the last days, knowledge is coming. The, the, the revelation is flowing. The curtain is being removed. And we are being taught things. And my heart is to reach those as I once was part of the church. And I loved the Messiah, but I did not know these things. But as soon as I knew them, I realized they, these were two separate things. And I had to research it all. And no matter the price, I had to then begin to decide to be Torah observant. And I am not trying to put down, condemn, or anybody in Christianity or in any other religious sect. But what I'm trying to share is we need to look at things Hebraically because this Bible we read is a Hebrew Bible written by a Hebrew God, Elohim, to a Hebrew people with a Hebrew Messiah, he's not going to change all of a sudden 1,600 years later and say that he is um, Roman. And so we're about to lose our, our um, podcast people. So let me just pray for them. So Father, I just pray that you would take this word and amplify it to those listening. Bring them revelation. Pull back the, core, the, the curtain, if you will. And bring them understanding, Father. And we pray that they would come to know you, Yah. That they would come to know your name. That they would come to know your feast. And that they would understand the timeline of the birth of Yahshua is not in December, but it is during the, the fall feasts of Sukkot. So Father, we just thank you. And Father, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would make a way for them where there seems to be no way. I pray, Father, that, that anybody that would desire to, to sow any tithes or offerings into our work, into our ministry, in reaching souls with the gospel, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would rebuke the devourer for them. I pray that you would meet every need according to your riches, and Yah, you said that as we give, it shall be given unto us. So we say thank you, and I just declare Yah be with you, Yah make his face shine upon you, and Yah give you peace. And until next time, Shalom, Shalom.